coming up. So people are probably aware of the five or five sensory systems, but we actually have eight. If we've got a beautiful, I suppose, sensory nervous system where the, the sensory information is like flowing beautifully up the, the central nervous system, does the loop around the brain. Um, I almost kind of refer to it almost like a bit of a circuit. Um, it goes up around the brain and it, it just flows beautifully. Then, as I say, your body generally is receiving the sensory information, processing it and being able to respond to it appropriately. Mm -hmm. But when you have a bit of an interference, so it's almost like a bit of a loophole, the sensory data goes up the central nervous system, almost loops around, um, gets a little bit like disorganized and disconnected. And from that, that is, as I say, where we might have the the per fine motor skills, the per gross motor skills um, and the emotional regulation skills. So we might have like what I would refer to as a like a brain and body disconnection. We have a special offer for our Munch Bunch listeners. To book a virtual consult with Megan, she's offering a discount of $25 off. Just email her, Megan, at nwmyofunctionaltherapy.com or through her website, www.orofacial-myology.com. To book a virtual consult with Kimmy for the $25 off, email her mouthmusclememory at outlook.com or through the website, www.mouthmusclememory.com. Now on to the episode. Hi everyone, welcome to the Munch Bunch podcast. It's Kimi Nishimoto and Megan Van Noy. Hello. <laughs> and today we have our friend Claire Joyce from Down Under. She is an occupational therapist in the Sydney, Australia region. And you also may have seen that she just wrote a book for children with sensory issues called How Does Your Body Feel? So Claire, tell us a little bit about what you do, like who is your target audience for your books and also like what kind of got you into your field? Uh, well, thank you so much, Kimmy and Megan for having me on today. Um, so nice to catch up because um, I obviously follow you both on Instagram. So I'm big okay. Instagram <laughs> Um, but yeah, so my name is Claire Joyce and I am a pediatric occupational therapist working in Sydney, Australia. Um, I have always worked in the area of pediatrics um, since I graduated in 2009. Um, and my love for pediatrics has just grew over the over the years of working with children Um uh, I have, as you mentioned, just recently um, created a little resource called How Does Your Body Feel, um, which have probably has been inspired by my own children. Mm -hmm. um, so I became a mummy five years ago to my first little boy, Patrick. Um, and then 15 months later, I had another little boy, Lachlan. Um, I entered into motherhood thinking I was probably well equipped with my pediatric background, um, probably naively thinking that I was uh, pretty prepared. 
And yeah. I've been there. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, was I wrong. Um, I always think, look, they have definitely been sent to me um, to, look, to teach me many things. But um, basically, my second little boy is very, uh, very fiery, very explosive um he's a big reactor um so i have always worked with children who had emotional regulation difficulties but now that i experience it firsthand um to be honest i was probably i i i personally have struggled myself as mm -hmm. a mother um and that's obviously with my background uh pediatric knowledge so mm -hmm. um it's from there I suppose my passion for obviously helping families and helping children has definitely significantly um increased obviously I was always very passionate but because I experienced it firsthand now um I to be honest it's probably just absolutely changed the way that I now work um mm -hmm. and I I'm very passionate as I say about helping families so I do use a lot of curriculums and um, other like evidence-based practices in my therapy sessions. However, also applying the same curriculums and uh, I suppose practices with my own children, I, I seen how much they struggled as well to fully relate to the curriculums that we use. Mm -hmm. um, but that just led me on to creating the books. So the books are a little resource that, any child can use so all children can absolutely benefit from reading the books um but they probably are a resource that i have created to particularly help those children who really struggle with mm -hmm. the emotional difficulties um the imagery throughout the books are very simple um they're beautiful they're colorful i find that um a lot of these little ones are visual learners so as I say, they relate to the pictures. And then from that, when we are having like episodes of emotional outbursts, um, I find that they almost recall the image and then that's what kind of brings on the memory of what to do. Um, so yes, that is a little bit about why, um, I suppose why I'm so passionate. It, it definitely has been inspired uh, from my own children and the, um, the challenges that I have also personally experienced as a parent now. So mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to do my best, um, like everyone else, try to share information through social medias. Um, I'm mindful that so many people are also without like access to therapies. Mm -hmm. um, those families in particular would probably benefit from the likes of the books um, mm -hmm. and obviously information that's shared through social media is just to try to to give them something as well when they don't have access to to seeing a therapist yeah thank you for sharing your story and also like being real because like it's not easy to be the parent of a kid who has a hard time regulating their emotions. Mm -hmm. I don't have children, but I've worked with kids like that. And I'm always giving props to those parents because it is hard. It's a, it's, it's yeah. intense. Yeah, it's really hard. And even coming from, so I, you know, 
I laugh when you're like, yeah, I thought I would have everything under control. I knew what to do. I knew how, I know how babies work. I know how pacifiers work. I know how, um, you know, breastfeeding works. Right. And then I, obviously everybody knows my toddler, Isabel. Um, and, uh, it's been like a big cosmic joke that like my baby couldn't breastfeed, um, because I had milk production issues and my baby's favorite thing in the entire world is her pacifier. Mm -hmm. And she triple, she triple fists her pacifier. And Kimmy knows that like she's triple fisting. She's got like several in her hands, one in her mouth, you know, and then she loves her (laughs) bottle. Right. And she, (laughs) and I know all these things. Right. And then it's like your own kid and your own mom heart. And you're like okay, like, I know this is actually a bigger struggle for me to have to like implement these things than it is going to be for her because kids are resilient. Right. And then, you know, you layer that on, um, you know, I'm very blessed with Isabel's temperament and I know that, um, but I have nieces and nephews. I've had patients who don't have the same temperament and, you know, being able to emotionally regulate is so hard. Mm -hmm. Oh, Absolutely. And as as you've um, absolutely said as well, to be honest, when you have your own children as well, like the rule book just goes out the window. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So everything that I have preached before, I have definitely be guilty. I put my hand up that probably also before children, I would have give pages upon pages of exercises to do and um just do therapy sessions every day and now when I have my own children I just say oh my goodness um so as I say it's definitely changed the way I am now as I say practice as an occupational therapist but similar to that like screen time uh, (laughs) (laughs) all the things I say "Oh, oh don't do we're all guilty of it. We, we, we do it. And I've used uh, the pacifiers and the bottles. Um, and yeah, it's look at the end of the day, we, we all can only do your best um, and you can only do your best with what you have at that time. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey, but um, the emotional regulation side of things is one now where I am particularly passionate about because like there is studies and research that um like suggest um and support that children who have emotional regulation difficulties uh it can directly impact then their performance at home their relationships um their performance within the classroom uh how they much they enjoy school etc etc so um also probably years ago I when I practice it as an occupational therapist, I would have very much probably been more focused on the fine motor skills and the gross motor skills side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, a, a big, big, big uh, piece of the puzzle is the emotional regulation. If we have a child who can regulate, generally speaking, they will be able to complete the tasks such as the fine motor skills and the gross motor skills activities. Mm-hmm. Um, if child who has the difficulty with the regulation, who is constantly in that fight, flight, or freeze arousal state, um, to be honest, we're not really going to get them to do to do all of the functional tasks. So the mm-hmm. regulation is definitely a big um big area, and obviously things like 
how we breathe and how are we sleep significantly yeah. impacts regulation mm -hmm. in both children and adults. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too, Claire. Like a lot of times the kids that I've seen that have issues with the emotional regulation or they're like the quote sensory kids or the ones that act out, they're often kind of sleep wrecked at the same time. So it's a little bit of both, right? Oh, absolutely. And so from an occupational therapy perspective or from your perspective, where is the emotional regulation issues coming from? Is it a sensory thing? Is it like an autistic spectrum? Is it like um, the nervous system got flipped to fight or flight and it, it's having a hard time switching back? Uh, well, that is an excellent question. Um, it, it's probably difficult to answer, to be honest. It can be a number of things. So um, when I have a child coming through who has the emotional regulation difficulties, generally speaking they will have like a number of other difficulties kind of going hand in hand um uh i i kind of always as well like preach to parents um like there's so much about what we can do after the child is born for child development but in actual fact healthy child development starts before the baby is even conceived um, so when we look at like the environmental factors, the health of the mommy and daddy, um, the genetics is obviously a big thing as well that can influence the development of the baby. Um, then when the, the female's obviously pregnant, um, how the, the female, uh, her health within the pregnancy can also influence on how a baby develops. Um, mm. And then that's taken us up to the birthing stage. Um, obviously babies who uh, kind of birth very textbook, um, those little babies, even despite any interventions um, being used within the birthing experience, the birthing experience itself with the, um, the enormous pressure that's put on the baby to come through the birth canal. Mm -hmm. And the mom. <laughs> One day old baby can already have such a kind of, I suppose, a big um, torment experience. So, um, and then that's not to, like, that's not even taken into consideration. Children uh, or babies who's born maybe by a C-section, uh, forcep mm -hmm. delivery, um, all of the interventions. So we've got a one day old baby who may, their little central nervous system may already have an interference. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, if we've got a beautiful, I suppose, sensory nervous system where the, the sensory information is like flowing beautifully up the, the central nervous system, does the loop around the brain. Um, I almost kind of refer to it almost like a bit of a circuit. Um, it goes up around the brain and it, it just flows beautifully. Then, as I say, your body generally is receiving the sensory information, processing it and being able to respond to it appropriately. Mm -hmm. But when you have a bit of an interference, so it's almost like a bit of a loophole, the sensory data goes up the central nervous system, almost loops around, um, gets a little bit like 
disorganized and um, disconnected and from that that is as i say where we might have the the poor fine motor skills the poor gross motor skills um and the emotional regulation skills so we might have like what i would refer to as a like a brain and body disconnection mm-hmm. um so obviously as i've kind of mentioned the the before the baby's even conceived, the pregnancy and then the birth can obviously really have that influence on how a baby develops. Um, but then when a baby obviously is born, then within those first years, um, I suppose sadly, there is little babies that do not like tummy time. There's babies that, mm-hmm. um, and it is very, very stressful. If your baby does not like tummy time, you probably are going to want to cuddle your little baby and but but the baby in those first couple of years definitely needs um a lot of stimulation a lot of um as I said tummy time tummy time can mm. also be done just to be placed on your chest and um, so it doesn't necessarily always have to be like a baby on the ground but the first couple of years can really also um influence how a baby develops but as I say look we don't know what the cause is. And as I say, as an occupational therapist with my own children, I thought I had checked all of those boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just, as I say, like at the end of the day, all children are different. All children are unique. Um, and it's more about now supporting children to to know how to um, improve their little skills and also uh, like manage so um there, there's a lot of adults as well who could most likely be on the spectrum who have never been diagnosed so um mm. we have a higher rate of diagnosis um now and that's probably due to like people are more aware or diagnosis mm-hmm. is um significantly improved um but the emotional regulation difficulties that definitely can fall under the spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't always, there is children that maybe are diagnosed with anxiety disorders who mm-hmm. are not diagnosed with um, like autism. However, I see a lot of children now that the criteria for autism has changed. Um, so I see a lot of the little children who years ago, who would not have got um say a diagnosis are now being diagnosed with um autism spectrum disorder we want to introduce this spot for tots course a parent's guide for toddlers ages two to five for mini mayo we have megan and kimmy going over nasal hygiene myofunctional exercises breathing exercises tongue tie healing protocols and then we have jenny june going over sleep hygiene and kelsey baker going over feeding therapy and body work uh, the course is two ninety seven, and the link will be in the description. When you were talking about the circuit, that was really interesting. I was just thinking mm-hmm. about that. Like I went to Italy this summer, and if I used the stove while the oven was on, it would go on the fritz, and I'd have to walk down three flights of stairs and turn the breaker on and off every time I cooked. <laughs> So I really liked that analogy because I was like, yes, it makes sense to me. Something Mm -hmm. is getting like a little haywire. Um, Yeah. So going back to what you're talking about with the sensory 
issues or sensory processing disorder. For our listeners that maybe don't know or they're like curious, like maybe does my kid have an issue with this? What are the common um, sensory processing disorders or what would that look like symptom wise? Yeah, what are some like what are some markers that would indicate that for parents? Uh, well, we now, like, I, I'm not sure if many people are aware, but we now refer to um, our sensory system, systems as having eight sensory systems. Um, so people are probably aware of the five or five sensory systems, but we actually have eight. Um, so we've obviously got our vision, our touch, our smell, taste, hearing. But we've got three other, um, what we call like internal systems. So mm -hmm. we have the vestibular system, um, which is all to do with like our movement um, and balance. We have our proprioceptive system, mm -hmm. which is to do with our body awareness and how um, I suppose we know where our body is in space. Mm -hmm. And then we have interoceptive system, which is to do with our registration. So it's um, basically how we register what the internal organs are doing. So that mm -hmm. can be things like, do we know if we need a drink? Do we know if we're hungry? Um, whether there is children necessarily that have poor introcept uh, awareness, so they will not be able to um, feel pain. They mightn't react to pain the same as another child. They mightn't mm -hmm. be able be aware of hot and cold um so that's the introceptive system whether we need to use the toilet um so as i say uh those children will have difficulty with that area but i'll just quickly run through um so basically what i would also advise parents is it's only ever an issue if it's impacting functional ability so we all obviously process sensory information. We all um, like respond to sensory information. It's only an issue, however, if it's impacting our functional ability. So when we think of our senses as well, we have um, touch. So again, that could be whether your child is like seeking touch mm -hmm. or avoiding. So as I say, we either mm. do um we, we do I suppose either of those things um so you might have a child who's really seeking that touch and constantly needs to fiddle with their fingers um that might interfere with obviously doing work in the classroom or interfere with other functional tasks or we might have the child who avoids touching anything so mm. it's like cutting with scissors and then needing to glue the activity they'll not touch the glue it's too yucky it's um they don't like that um it could be the same as water some children love water some children dislike water some children will seek water play to maybe the extent it could be dangerous where they might turn on water the, the taps in the bathroom and play 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 and then as i say the bathroom could be flooded i have seen that happen before mm -hmm. or we could the other extreme as well where children dislike water and then they will not take a shower will not bath will not wash their face um will not brush their teeth etc etc so um as i say if it interferes with what we need to do in our everyday life that's when it is mm -hmm. i suppose a problem um 
similar. So as I say, we've got taste, we've got children who actually eat a lot. And then we've got the children who are really fussy eaters. So that, as I say, is bringing it back to the taste, the oral um, kind of sensory system where the children are become avoidant of eating. So um, it's usually more a problem when the child will not eat. So um, those children as well will typically see that if they do eat foods, they'll typically be like your white carby food, mm-hmm. your chicken nugget, uh, white bread, um so obviously that can also impact in their diet and their nutrition um Mm -hmm. and it's obviously very stressful on families as well because they usually then can't usually eat out um go to different family functions um even they'll have to send like lunchbox to schools and it will be food such as the chicken nuggets and the white bread sandwich um we have the noise, uh, hearing. So we'll have children who will seek noise. So I have worked with lots of children who will seek noise by maybe making like high pitched squeals, and that mm-hmm. will just and interfere with um, kind of home life because it can be mm-hmm. quite high. <laughs> um, the the their performance in the classroom, like to be honest the high pitch noise can be quite unpleasant for other people mm-hmm. um but they're seeking that loud noise because it actually regulates their body um but then as i say on the other hand we'll have children then who will dislike noises loud noises they will um i suppose they might not go to birthday parties they might not want to go to school they might not um like the hair dryer the hand dryers in the toilets mm-hmm. um So because of that, then they'll become avoidant. Um, uh, So as I said, that is that one. Um, And then we have the smell. So similar, to be honest, smell is probably one I don't necessarily see too often. Children generally will dislike smells, which might then cross over into their meal times and eating so they'll avoid certain foods or they might seek smells where they'll enjoy a smell but generally speaking we can manage that um well but i suppose if there is like quite a uh if if they don't like a certain smell it can also impact with entering into particular environments um again maybe the classroom or um like a canteen maybe with the smell of food um Mm -hmm. And then also we've got the the sight. So again, we can get very fit, visually distracted. Um, children within a classroom, if we have all of the beautiful wall displays, we'd be very visually distracted. So it can impact attention um, and how your child performs in the classroom. Um, or as I say, you'll have the other where a child will seek visual stimulation and enjoy flashing lights or hold things very very close to their eyes um again interfering with um what we need to do every day um and then as i say we've got the three other big larger systems the internal systems so we have the vestibular system which is to do with movement and balance um Typically speaking, I will see little children who really seek movement. So these are the children who are constantly on the go. They are seeking mm. that movement, mm-hmm. lots of stimulation. Um, they will do things like 
jumping off the sofas, swinging on chairs. Um, a lot of the time, probably very unsafe play. Um, right. They're usually <laughs> the, the thrill seekers. Um, they really just crave that that movement. So that can obviously interfere with performance in the classroom when we have children who are constantly moving their bodies. It can also interfere with relationships um, and interactions because they're generally also in other people's spaces. They're, they lack the control of their body. Um, but on the other, as I say, hand, we have the children who avoid movement. So they will not want to climb at the play parks. They'll not enjoy the swings. They might be very static that they will sit on their mommy's knee when they're at a play park. So they'll, it will interfere with their play, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Absolutely. They do their body to what we would expect, like say a typical child to do. Mm -hmm. um, we've also got the proprioceptive system, which is to do with um, how we move our body or awareness of where our body is in space. Usually we'll find these little ones with poor proprioceptive awareness uh, presenting as very clumsy, um, trip over things, knock into people, again, being in other people's uh, space. Mm -hmm. um, this can also interfere with how they perform in sports. Um, they're usually quite uncoordinated as well because mm -hmm. they're not in that uh feedback through their muscles and joints to be aware of how they're moving their body if that makes sense um mm -hmm. and then as i say we'll, we'll also typically see these ones um maybe seeking it as well so you can be a little bit of both as well um within each sensory system so we usually have seeking or avoiding or we might have a little bit of both um as well um it sensory processing as well can very much depend on how we are on the day um mm -hmm. and as i say like it just changes and fluctuates every day so that also can really depend on how well we sleep at night how well we've eaten that day um all of these other factors that will influence and how we're going to receive the sensory input on that day to process it um um and then we've got the interoceptive system so again as i've mentioned Little ones, when I have seen with poor interoception, usually as well have difficulties with the emotional regulation because they are a little bit out of sync. They're not um, being fully aware of how their body is feeling. Mm -hmm. They're just having these big reactions, but they're not understanding, um, I suppose, like the, the physical sensation versus what we can do. Mm -hmm. um, we'll also see a lot of these wee ones um, not drinking throughout the day because they are unaware that their body is thirsty. Mm -hmm. They will not, because they are not hungry. Um, they might have a lot of accidents at the toilet because mm -hmm. they're not registering that they need to um, urinate or have a bowel movement. Um, or you might have little ones who will use the toilet a lot because they're aware that they have low registration so then they're being extra cautious if that makes mm, sense mm -hmm. um, uh, they'll be the little ones as well who will have difficulty differentiating between hot and cold so mm. i'll see a lot a lot of these little ones well are at risk of burns um because they literally could touch something like a hot surface and not register that it is hot um yeah. so 
it can interfere as well, even in terms of weather. So if we have beautiful warm weather, you'll see maybe these little ones dressed with long sleeves, long clothes, um, long pants, if that's what their preference of clothes is. Mm -hmm. But similar, if it's very, very hot weather, um, or sorry, if it's very, very cold weather, then they could be in the opposite. If they've got a preference to wearing shorts and short sleeves, then as I say, mm -hmm. this is what, um, so, it's I suppose how your body registers and makes sense of the sensory data it receives. Um, but as I say, it's, it is important to remember that we all do uh, like process sensory information. Um, there's definitely things in those areas that I will dislike or avoid. Um, like there's certain things that I will not like to eat. I will not like to touch. Um, I might, like there'll be people who will crave lots of movement. They'll, they'll go for runs in the morning before they go to work. We subconsciously know how to manage mm. our mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we will subconsciously put into place what works to regulate our own bodies. Um, but as I say, there are certain things, as I say, I don't like to touch and um, eat and et cetera, et cetera. However, providing it's not interfering with what I'm trying to do throughout the day it's fine like for instance if I don't like to eat tomatoes I will just make a sandwich with ham or chicken and put other uh, things in it so mm -hmm. uh, we'll always find a way just to kind of manage um, as I say subconsciously how we manage our own sensory sensory systems yeah that's so cool um, so when like, you know, so parents are looking for this, they kind of have some things to look out for if they recognize these symptoms, like in their child, uh, what are some resources for them? Because does every occupational therapist specialize in this? Is that something like, is there something they need to like somebody that they need to seek for help that is really kind of specialized in that space? Uh, absolutely. So I would probably say that occupational therapists would be the best person to contact. Typically speaking, a lot of occupational therapists now are um, like they're very aware of sensory processing. Um, it's a big part of our roles as occupational therapists. Um, but I suppose it's all about exposure. So we do want to expose the child to um to sensory experiences, but it's also really, really, really important to do it very gradually um, and very much respect the child's fears um, or need for that sensory experience. So it's about, um, as I say, every child is different. So every treatment plan will be very individual um, for the child that you're working with. So um, for a parent, say for instance, who is not accessing occupational therapy, um, they can start by doing little bursts of, for instance, if your child is seeking movement, uh, things like a trampoline, play parks, things like mm -hmm. that are excellent. And giving the child, I often relate to it as it's almost what the body is craving. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I do use the analogy of if I'm craving chocolate, if I was to eat a carrot, it doesn't satisfy my body. I still want the chocolate. So um, it's important to give the child the sensory input that they're craving. Otherwise, they're just going to continue to be dysregulated. Mm -hmm. um, 
So it's just about doing it in very gradual exposure. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Give the child the sensory input that they are craving. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, I mean, and this is obviously like one lens, but there's always those conversations around like healthy eating or like, you know, diet culture, weight loss, whatever it is that you want to, you know, call it. But, you know, someone will say, if you want that chocolate bar, take those two bites of chocolate versus going in your like fridge or somewhere else to find like 20 other things that you end up eating to try and crave that. Mm -hmm. And you end up eating more calories from those 20 healthy things than from those like two bites of chocolate that you were craving. You probably still won't be satisfied. And mm-hmm. as you say, you, you've went just on a big like loop around to try to f- fulfill that craving or need. So um, I'm very much about exactly giving it within within moderation. So, right. um, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, oh, it's been such a joy to have you and mm-hmm. learn these things. Uh, <laughs> would you uh, indulge us by maybe reading a little excerpt from one of one of your new books? Because I know that uh, while you're pulling up your book, um, Claire is also offering through Instagram. So we'll have you guys go follow her through the weekend, um, a downloadable version on Kindle. Um, So let's give him a little teaser. Give him a little taste of what what your books wrote. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, so as I've mentioned, the books talk about the emotions um, and some of the regulation tools to use. Um, So I've got this little one on feeling sad. Um, So I'll just, I'll read this one. Oh, well, I'll hold this up. Um, So... When my body feels sad, then my body feels glum. When my body feels miserable, then my body feels numb. My heart feels like it's hurting and tears trickle down my face. My body feels lost and lonely and I feel really out of place. My head feels very busy and my stomach can churn too. My body sometimes feels sleepy when my thoughts are gray and blue. I try to remember to stop and reflect and bring focus to my mood. What is making my body feel sad and what could make it feel good? (laughs) I love that. That's so cute. Yeah, it's so sweet and just kind of really breaks it down. Obviously, like it it flows really well together. Um, I think that's so so cool yeah they are um I have been using these to be honest in my therapy sessions for the last three months um so they have been trial and tested Mm -hmm. but children appear to relate well to them so um I just have little then as I say lots of uh regulation tools and they're very Mm -hmm. simple and realistic for Mm -hmm. parents to um implement at home so um I, I find children definitely learn from the books, but also parents Parents have reported that they have learned from the books as well, because in times when they're experiencing those big emotions, sometimes we don't know what to do. So mm-hmm. um, or back to the book, they can offer those um, regulation tools. That's really I cool. Love that. I love that. I got, I was like having kind of like a hard day where I felt like just like overwhelmed. And when you read that beginning part, I just wanted to cry. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so these books work for grown-ups too is yeah, what I'm hearing. apparently <laughs> all right oh thank I love you it. Okay. so much for being on today yeah and everyone who wants to follow you on instagram it what is your instagram handle uh, so my instagram is learn through play underscore children's ot Okay. Perfect. And we'll, we'll bring that into you. And if people want to purchase your books, where can they find them? Uh, so they will be, as I say, going up on Kindle. I will share the link as well on my own Instagram. Um, but they are up on Kindle at the moment, but I will be running that free five day download commencing on Monday. Um, but I'll put all of the instructions on Instagram, but basically uh, just searching how does your body feel should bring up the the box set. So awesome. Yeah. I I feel like that would be so great for, for Isabel too, as we are heading into the toddler years, you know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and we're working on our emotional regulation ourselves. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And one of the things as well from becoming a parent, I've realized I need to, um, from, from a personal experience, uh, as a parent, it's really important to manage your own emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so often, even when I'm reading these books to say, for instance, my own children, it is a, a nice reminder for myself where I reflect as well and think, I need to practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. Um so as okay. I say, look, all of the strategies are obviously for children, adults. They are uh, occupational therapy strategies. I have referred as well to um, curriculums that have been used in occupational therapy. They are very subtle. So an occupational therapist would be aware of the curriculums. But as I say, they're completely relatable to all families. Um, you don't need to be attending occupational therapy to be aware of any curriculums or um, specific strategies as such. So they're very relatable books. They're very, um, as I say, realistic strategies to implement at home. Um, But yes, they're definitely a nice reminder. Um, And Mm -hmm. I have got a lot of nice feedback. So um, yeah, I hope, as I say, you Mm -hmm. enjoy them. Yes, thank you for sharing. And we will definitely repost and and share links in the description for the box set and also how to contact you if needed. And everybody, you know where to find us on Instagram at the Munch Bunch Podcast. You can watch episodes on Spotify. You can listen to us on Anchor, Apple, or watch on YouTube. And uh, we will definitely link you in the description as well. And thank you for sharing your perspective because this is a new sort of thing that we haven't talked about yet. So thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah. And I think it was so cool to hear that there's three more sensory that, cause I would have never, <laughs> I didn't know that. So, um, but I like could think of like my niece having struggles knowing when she has to go potty and, you know, so some of these things has been so interesting to make connections to like, not just my own daughter, but the people I know in my life too. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for sharing. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, and yes, I will look forward to seeing the podcast go live. I'll Yay. have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll catch you guys for our next episode. Remember, they release every Monday. Uh, if you want to follow us personally on Instagram, you can catch Kimmy at Mouth Muscle Memory. You can catch me at NWMFT. 
Um, and we will keep sharing all the information from all over the world. Yeah. Bye.